listening to the Mindful Biz Podcast. I'm Alison Morgan, business coach at Relauncher. Casey Lister is a writer, gardener and cookbook author who lives near a beach in a little house with a big, sprawling backyard in Perth. She has a PhD in psychology and is passionate about mental health benefits gained by spending time in nature and learning to grow your own food. Over the past 10 years, Casey and her partner have transformed their garden from an empty patch of dry couch grass into a wild and organic food forest filled with fruit trees, flowers, vegetables and herbs. She advocates a spray-free, relaxed and imperfect approach to gardening. She also believes it should be fun, unpretentious and stress-free and that gardens should be wild and full of insects, birds and life. today how are you I'm good I'm really happy to be here oh my god <laughs> listeners we're, we're actually just laughing because we just did a false start because we're videoing this and I just realized I had like lipstick all between my teeth <laughs> <laughs> luckily though you're not nice you're color. <laughs> yeah, it was a beautiful red pink anyhow <laughs> Casey how are you now you're sitting in out in your beautiful garden oh, beautiful day in yeah. Perth it's gorgeous. It's it's so warm. All the plants are growing at like three times their usual speed. <laughs> Twice the amount of work. All right. So before we kick into the garden and everything, how about you introduce yourself to everyone? Yeah. Okay. So well, my name's Casey. I uh, live in Perth, pretty close to the beach. So the garden is quite a sandy, hot place usually. Uh, I studied psychology at uni, uh, but then kind of abandoned that when COVID happened and gave myself permission to do the thing that I was really passionate about, which is gardening and writing and cooking and kind of I've been working how to working out how to shove those all into a business. <laughs> Amazing. And you've got a young child as well. Yes. Yes. So He's almost them. nine months. Oh my God. <laughs> That's a really tricky age as well, isn't it? Because they can't really look after themselves at all and they want to be moving around and they get frustrated and uh. Yeah, I recently devised a new game that I've called Free Baby, which is where I just put him on the ground and see how long it takes him to find something where I have to rush in and save him. Because <laughs> they just have this radar, they're just going yeah. for I know. I know trying to find everything, trying to eat everything. <laughs> oh God, it's so exhausting, isn't it? It really yes, is Oh, yeah, he's gorgeous though, so it's worth it. Yeah, ab- absolutely, absolutely. All right, so what inspired you to start your business? Now, clearly it's led with from passion. Yes, yeah, well, I went to uni for about 10 years and, and the policy there was to always follow what you love. And um, so I studied psychology because I was really interested in psychology, but I wound up in academia and I don't love academia at all. I think it helped me become a better writer, but um, but it's so dry and I really miss the creative stuff. Mm. And uh, so I had these side projects that I would do. Like I started a cooking blog, uh, started a cooking Instagram that gradually became a gardening Instagram and procrastinated uh, all the time. I was supposed to be writing my thesis <laughs> by planting things. And um, yeah, and then it was the thing I really loved, but it was really hard for me to take it seriously and think that I could give it a real shot. And um, yeah, when COVID happened, it sort of felt like the rules were kind of, the bets were off, you could break the rules. And so I took a bit of a leap and um, took it a bit more seriously, I suppose. Wow. Oh my God. (laughs) I'm so so glad I did. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. So where should we start? Should we talk about the Wild Garden Society or the cookbook or the actual gardening? Like what where do you want to start? Maybe um maybe how I came to to grow the garden because that's kind of informed everything that came from there. Sure. Um and that was a gradual process. I suppose everything's been a gradual process, mm-hmm. but the the ethos I noticed that gardening, the way it's communicated by a lot of people online and it's become a bit kind of not formulaic exactly, but there's a lot of right and wrong. A lot of people get stressed out about it. And because I never did any sort of formal, you know, I didn't didn't go and learn how to train people to grow gardens or anything like that. I just approached it from a real perspective of it's just about having fun. I think the psychology, um, my PhD in psychology kind of fed into that as well. Mm. And um, so I was just doing it for me really for years and years. But then when I started writing about it, I got a lot of feedback from people that they were kind of relieved to hear that, you know, I have aphids on my roses or that it's fine if your plant dies or it was sort of like they needed permission. And that was what made me think uh, I want to encourage more people to just not be so perfectionistic and not think that they're going to ruin something by by playing and experimenting mm. so I suppose that that's what then led to me creating the the club the wild garden society because uh it seems like a lot of people yeah the joy is kind of stripped out of gardening yeah when, you, when you're worried about bugs and pests and weeds and things mm. and um, I'd love for more people to just see it the way I see it which is, is just the most it's like a gym. It's like therapy. It's a beautiful creative outlet. You can grow your own food, um, which is a big part of the club as well. So, yeah, I suppose I just really want everyone to to see what I see in it because it's such a valuable thing to do. Yeah. Okay, so now let's talk about the Wild Garden Society, which is what you just touched on then. Talk us through what that is. So it's a, it's a gardening club. It's online, uh, but we have a private Facebook group so you can communicate one-on-one with other gardeners and with me as well and it's designed to help people overcome any of those nerves about getting stuff wrong Uh, but it's also suited for Australian gardeners because a lot of garden advice you get online is either for American gardeners or gardeners in the UK and we have totally different climate to them Uh, and it's centered around growing an organic garden and kind of lazy gardening how to just get the most out of the process that you can uh, without stressing about things and also around growing food every season so you get guides on how to grow different veggies uh flowers and herbs and also recipes so yeah you mentioned that I wrote the cookbook that was I love the thing to- I was just about to mention yeah. yeah yeah so I love I love picking stuff from the garden and cooking with it and uh I noticed that a lot of cookbooks they have beautiful recipes but it's hard to turn what you might be growing into those recipes they're not always structured around multiple things that are in season at the same time and so I yeah so my cookbook is set out by each season so if you like growing your own veggies you can look in the spring chapter and you'll find things that everything in the recipe comes from a spring garden if for Australian gardeners also for other gardeners as well yeah amazing in your garden because you you would obviously be planting all the time depending on the season and all that kind of thing are you are you constantly experimenting and do you find some things like just so easy to grow and others you've just never been able to you know yeah very very much take take us through a few examples yeah, well, so the garden here, a lot of Perth gardeners, um, actually a lot of Australian gardeners, we have really hot climates. 
Yeah. Uh, in Perth, we have really sandy soil. So there's certain plants that do really, really well. Things like fennel. I have fennel growing everywhere. It just comes up now year after year because it's got this really long tap root. Uh, so it doesn't mind the sandy soil and it can kind of grow deep looking for water. Um, so things like fennel, there's all sorts of Mediterranean plants which do really well here. Uh, rosemary, bay trees. I've got a mulberry behind that the, the branches are actually touching the ground because it's so laden with fruit. It's weighed all the branches down. Uh, so yeah, a lot of Mediterranean plants do really well. This one is a hippiastrum, which has just the most incredible flowers. Beautiful. It doesn't look real and it's it's the easiest, like it's as big as my head almost. Uh, it's the easiest thing to grow and it comes up year after year. You just stick the bulb slightly, like, you know, slightly out of the soil and leave wow. it and that's. And I think there's just so many plants like that that people don't know about. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and so they stick with the kind of, maybe the more run-of-the-mill things or like you go to garden centers and they're all selling hydrangeas or things that actually it's kind of like buying a vase of flowers they're not really designed to be easy to grow uh in our climate so I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions I just want to discourage people from kind of thinking they're bad gardeners because they got caught up by what's usually just a marketing Have, have you had experience where you've just tried and tried and tried to grow something in just no success yeah, I usually give things about three shots in the garden yeah. and if they die on the third time, I abandon them. Um, things like, because we've got really alkaline soil, sandy alkaline soil, things like azaleas, camellias and gardenias, hate it. I, I spent way too much on a maple tree once and then watched it slowly die over the course of a year. <laughs> Interesting you say uh, that because our sand where we are in Sydney, we're quite close to the beach, is very, very, our soil is very sandy and we had a really expensive Japanese maple tree and it just never took off because of the, and yeah. it was just the wrong, yeah, wrong soil. Yeah, they need I've only seen them grown successfully around here once and this person, she shipped in all like an azalea acid-loving mix for her whole, like it was a new build. She brought all the soil in and has to keep replenishing it all the time. But I I really like approaching the garden in a way that doesn't yeah. <laughs> require that because I would never keep up with it. No, I just couldn't. Expensive. No, 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 absolutely. Talk us through the garlic. This is amazing. Oh. Yeah, so my partner and I were growing about 16,000 garlic plants this year, um, which he then plats every summer into beautiful braids that he hangs up. Uh, we sell them. So the idea is you can buy a braid as a Christmas gift or as just something to cook with over the summer. And uh, yeah, you just hang it up in your kitchen. It's it's really good garlic. I We sworn off eating garlic until the crop's ready because it's, um compared to the shop stuff, this, this is like juicy and uh, so, so flavoursome. And um, it's grown about two and a half hours down south. My parents have a place there. And my mum has been kind of cultivating this crop of garlic for like about 10 years. And uh, we, again, COVID, it's been a blessing in disguise because we were just sort of, I think, fantasizing over a couple of bottles of wine about homesteading and what we could do. And just, and we thought, we'll just plant all the garlic. And a lot of these things, just the same as with my, with my business, they've just kind of slowly evolved in a way that it's really hard to actually pinpoint when the idea I love that I love that but you've been selling the garlic is this the third year or is it the second year yeah this is the third year and every year we we sell out and so we think well we better grow more next year and um well you you do a pre-sale each time and that sells out so just tell us quantities last year versus this year 
Because it's a massive increase you've done. Yes. Uh, I think we've quadrupled it this year. Uh, So last year I think we sold about 200 braids uh, total. So once it had all been harvested this year, we've already sold over 100 in our pre-sale. And, yeah, the reason we do that is because it's, I guess it's what farming's like. Neither of us are like farmers, but you sort of, you need to go and, actually pick the crop to know exactly what you're dealing with so we we take our safe amount that we know we can definitely provide to people so this year we were yeah it was actually just over 100 and uh but we're going down there again soon and so we'll open up the the sale again once we've counted our garlic (laughs) amazing is that a lot of work for the garlic to be braided yeah well it's a funny crop because the garlic itself is a really hardy plant. Like the, it doesn't really get pests. It, it gets watered by the winter rainfall, so you don't really need to irrigate it. And then as soon as the rain dries up, you can harvest it. Uh, so in those respects, it's really easy. But every clove has to be hand planted, facing the right way up. And God, are you joking? And you've got sixteen thousand of them. Oh my God! I would be throwing tantrum doing that. Who's got that job? Yeah. Uh, well, I got to duck out last year and this year for most of it because I was pregnant and then I was Perfect. with our baby. Yeah. So yeah, Luke, Luke got landed with that, my partner for, for most of it. Um, and he's, he's got such a like lo-fi method. He's found this old sort of rusted, uh, metal stake thing. And so he punches the holes into the ground. And then I, I did do some this year. I sort of come along behind and plop each clove in. Uh, we also had help from my mum and dad because, yeah, they they jumped in there. Oh, I think they took pity oh. on us. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but harvesting would be pretty easy because you just scoop yeah. it up. Yes. So some previous years you pull each one individually and we've learned over the years that you want to be actually quite careful with the heads of garlic because uh, if they get bruised, they don't store as well. So uh, I think that's the reason why shop-bought stuff can often go, you know, sometimes it goes moldy or sometimes yeah. it goes kind of, yeah, a bit funny. Uh, so, yeah, you pull it up quite gently, but we've discovered my dad has a bobcat that he's pretty obsessed with and he started digging under the garlic. So you dig the whole clump up and then you can sort of shake it loose. Uh, so I think we'll probably try that this year because it's a bit easier than pulling each one individually. <laughs> God, I, I would literally be in such a foul mood after like <laughs> 2000. Doing that, so last year I did help with the harvest and I think I was like eight, seven or eight months pregnant and just bending over to pull the garlic up, I didn't last very long. <laughs> My God. What's your favourite thing or things about your business? I love the creativity. I yeah. think that's, I love that we can take it in any direction. Um, and I really love, I love trying to, in terms of the garden side of things, encourage people to just get a lot more happiness out of out of the garden and to give things a go. And I've had lots of people say, I, you know, you, yeah, you gave me permission to to do this and now my garden looks like this and, and wow. they, they've scattered seeds everywhere and now there's flowers all through spring or uh or things like um letting them know about a different plant and then so someone tried daffodils someone in my club planted daffodils for the first time last autumn and now she's got spring daffodils and just 
it's just such a nice thing to introduce someone to a plant that they haven't grown before and know that you're making them happy. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? How do yeah, you and also juggling like a nine-month-old with this because it it is difficult. Yeah, it it is. It's um, it, it's really good to be able to set my own hours, uh, but it has been a yeah, it's been challenging. Um, I couldn't have done it without without sharing the load with Luke, with my partner, because uh, he's fantastic. And we, at in that same conversation where we decided to become garlic farmers, we agreed we'd be self-employed in 2020. So uh, the goal has always been kind of with having a family in mind that we'd both like to have flexible hours. And uh, yeah. it comes with, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to do it any other way, but it definitely has been a learning curve trying to work out how to balance family and and I feel like we do both work a lot of the time to try to make it work no matter what age they are you know you're always just at a different stage even when they're older and just kind of like going well how's it going to work and I think rather than trying to get yourself into a routine going right this is the routine and this is the routine that's staying in all year you've got to be really flexible and go right this is this is the routine for the chapter that we're in and sometimes that chapter be like you know nine weeks or 12 weeks and then you've got to adjust I feel like sometimes it's two weeks. I keep yes. making uh, making bookings and things at times when I think, okay, our baby will definitely not because he, he has lots of contact naps with me. So mm. I try to make all my work stuff outside of when I think he's going to be napping. But it changes on a fortnightly basis. <laughs> oh, really, really hard. My gosh. Now, what's a gardening tip you'd love to share with everyone? I was thinking about that and I think – the biggest thing I would say to people is don't be scared to experiment. So, and and don't write things off as right or wrong. Uh, but one of the things that people overlook the most is soil improvement. So, and although it's the least fun thing to do, really put a lot of energy into your soil. So, lots of animal manure. If you have sandy soil, I add lots of clay to our soil, which really helps it hold on to moisture. And Where do you lots of mulch. Get it from? Do you get it delivered or do you just buy it from the nursery? Yeah, they sell it in bags. They're really heavy, um, like these 25-kilo bags. Uh, it's a You're kind of clay called – Yeah, yeah. It's called kale and clay, and it works, works really well with sandy soil, and I just sort of scatter it all over the sandy patches because in summer you can get soil where you try to water it and the water just runs right off the surface. Yeah. And so they're not actually getting water at all. They're kind of in a drought. Right. Uh, this clay helps kind of capture the water because the particles are, are a lot finer. So I scattered that over and I water that in. Do you just sprinkle it on top or do you need to mix it through the soil? I don't dig either. It's all of these things that are lazy, but they actually work. If you don't dig your soil, it can, in the long run, it helps form all these like fungal mycorrhizal fungal networks and plants roots can help aerate the soil. And so it's kind of better left undisturbed. And uh, so instead I just throw everything on top and it's, I was doing that in, in the start because it was less effort. And then I discovered it's actually quite beneficial. So yeah, I just throw that on top. I throw a good quality animal manure on top of that and then I put mulch on top and uh, that's what I ideally do. Our garden really needs another another go at it because I haven't done it so much post-baby. But, uh, but yeah, focusing on your soil and then grow plants that like to thrive. So if people are looking for things to plant for summer, things like basil. Basil does really well in Australia just – and don't grow it inside. I was just talking to someone who went and bought, I think what they call it, bench top kitchen plants and that's just there's no such like there's no such thing they don't grow very well you need right. these things will need to go outside to drive so yeah, in a pot. Six 
Uh, a big, big pot or or right in the garden. I think um, a lot of pots people use are just way too small. You end up getting plants that are root-bound. So go big if you're going for a pot or yeah. stick them in the garden. Make sure your soil is really healthy. Uh, and don't use pesticides is my other tip yeah, that I would say. What, what's, what's growing and going off in your garden at the moment? So we've got the mulberries. They're really great. Yeah. In terms of flowers, yeah. the hippie aspirins are blooming. There's salvias, which are in the sage or mint family. Uh, so you can get edible ones, but you've also got beautiful flowers. They do really, really well. They're all just about to pop with flowers. And the roses, uh, I've got the climbing rose against the back wall. Um, so lots and lots of flowers. Uh, and there's yellow flowers. I don't know if you can see just there behind me. They're really tall, really huge. Yeah. They're actually just they're just a mizuna plant. So you get these punnets, even from Buddings, they have them of just um, like uh, mustard greens. So lots of, and they look tiny. People don't realize if you plant them in the garden and you feed them with good soil, they'll grow like six foot tall and flower. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people grow edibles and then rip them out just before they flower. And they're missing this fantastic opportunity to bring great bugs into the garden and uh, and have like a floral display. So leave your coriander in the ground, let that flower too. That one's a beautiful flower. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Wow. How much time do you spend in your garden? A lot less now. I spend a lot more time writing about it while our baby's having naps on me. (laughs) Uh, But I would love, like before before we had him, um, it would be sort of the weekend we'd, yeah, my partner, he brews, so he'd be brewing some beer around the corner and we'd have music playing and I'd just oh, tear yeah. into the garden all weekend. It was so much fun. But you can really maintain, once you've got things like trees and uh, yeah. a retic system set up, you don't actually need to work that hard. Yeah. Uh, you can just do it in a few bursts. So a lot of people assume that a garden that's quite big and full of plants takes, you know, is like a full-time job. But uh, I do very little anymore and yeah. I'd love to do more, but it, it survives. Yeah, and you also write a column for the Sunday Times. Yes, yeah. yeah. So I, I get to go and visit other people's gardens and then write about them, which is the best job. Love it's so that. much fun. Yeah, yeah, it's great. You always leave with interesting. I visited this sort of jungly garden that was really beautifully designed the other day, uh, and they're all different. They're all so idiosyncratic, so it's great to just be able to just do invite you, myself over. Really. Do you find the gardens to go and write about or, or are you given a list? No, I find them. Uh, so part of the job is is just going and kind of scouting for them. I think I've got an improved radar for it now. I can sort of tell just by the front garden whether the back is going to be something quite amazing. Oh, so I just right. So do you just knock on the door or leave a note in their letterbox, or what do you do? Yeah, after our baby was born, I printed off these little flyers, and so we'd go on pram walks around different suburbs, and I just drop the leaflets in, and you get a pretty good hit rate because people love sharing their gardens yeah, and. Right. Always something that they're really proud of and they, they're happy to talk about. Yeah, wow. Uh, people, create, sometimes people approach me. Do you, do you create video content when you go in there? I often take videos and then forget to ask if, if they're happy for me to yeah, post right. them. Uh, but I take the videos so that I can look back and because I, I want to make sure I always capture the kind of atmosphere of the garden when I write about it. Uh, but I've got some, yeah, some lovely ones. There was a, there's a uh, local artist, Leon Pericles, who has a place in Margaret River. I took so many videos of his garden because it's just this, it's filled with art and sculptures and kind of little winding hideaways and things. Beautiful. Um, oh, job, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's great. I love it. <laughs> so good. It's so good. And the great thing about this is like as as your child gets older, you will just be able to, 
bend and shape this business into whatever it is that you want and have so many different income streams. So it's super exciting. I really hope so. And I think there's a really hopefully good opportunity to teach kids as well. So I'd love to do, because I'd take workshops, gardening workshops. I'd love to take workshops for schools and try to get kids into it as well. So I think that a lot of the reason I love gardening is from being exposed to it so much as a kid, like my grandparents garden, my parents gardened. And uh, that's something that lots of kids don't get anymore. So it gives you that. I, th- I think it's what gives me that confidence to experiment in the garden that yeah. I really want to share with, with adults who haven't had that experience. So they get nervous. But yeah, if you can c- convince kids to fall in love with growing things. I agree. It's, um, it's good for their yeah. mental health as well. It's amazing for your mental health. It's I mm-hmm. uh, even with our little, like when our baby was really little and he was crying like six or eight weeks old at night, that kind of witching hour cry. I just walk out into the garden and he would instantly stop. It was surreal mm-hmm. how just being outside changed it. And um, you know, you get you get a better circadian rhythm because you get morning sunlight if you're out in the garden and there's just even apparently the microbiome of of gardeners is a lot healthier because of exposure to all the sort of healthy microbes in the soil and um and I've heard I haven't tested this yet but I've heard that it's the best way to get kids to eat veggies is picking them growing them themselves because they actually yeah that does make sense totally that's amazing people have told me that their kids will eat a a carrot right out of the ground but then they walk inside and chop it up and put it in a salad and they won't touch it (laughs) Interesting. Gosh. Makes sense though. Casey, where can everyone find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Gardening with Casey Joy. So that's Casey with a C, C A S E Y J O Y. And my website is www.caseyjoylister.com. Perfect. And that's all garlic, all the cookbooks, recipes, and things like that. Everything, everything gardening and food and recipes. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. This has just been fabulous, fabulous. And I love your garden. It's just so beautiful. Thank you. Me too. (laughs) It's um, very wild this year. (laughs) Beautiful. Thanks, Casey. Thanks, Alison. Nice chatting. (laughs) Bye.